Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. That morning, imagine being Mary. I know if you're a bloke, that might be funny, but just imagine being that first one to the tomb, running and seeing the stone was rolled away. What? And then hearing his voice looking behind her shoulder, and she sees him and he goes, Mary! Mary, and you know someone by how they call your name, and he knew, and she knew it was him. Imagine heaven watching as the stone rolled away, the saviour, the champion of heaven. That's what he was. He's the champion of heaven. Great. Turn to the person next to you and say, Happy Easter Sunday, and then sit down. Everybody turn around and look at that camera. That's all the people online. Hey, hey, online people. I know some of you got COVID and in isolation, but um, we love you and uh, happy Easter. All right. I just, before we start, I need to have a hot cross bun talk. Who gets stressed by hot cross buns? I do. I was born in the 60s. I know you think, wow, Ros. Uh, but I was born in the 60s. In the 60s, there was one style of hot cross bun with sultanas in it. And I'm still sticking to the 60s, mate. I don't know what's happened, but now they have hot cross buns without sultanas. Like, put your hand up. This is a safe place. We won't mock you. Put your hand up if you eat hot cross buns without anything in them. What is it? Now, I could just cope with that, but then they introduced, for the millennials, the choc chip hot cross buns. Like, what is that? I'm trying not to judge you who have different hot cross buns patterns to me. And um, who puts jam? Who's the jam and butter person? Yes. Just butter. What about lemon curd? Does anybody put lemon curd on them? And then the last thing that's stressful is that they come out seven months beforehand. So by the time it comes to Easter Sunday, it's like, eh, hot cross buns. Anyway, uh, just had to vent that, get that out. You know, when Jesus was crucified in 33 AD, he had 120 followers. Today, 2,000 years later, it is estimated that 2.3 billion people claim to be followers of Christ. Yeah, that deserves a clap, the church. We're a, we're a messy bunch. We're a messy bunch, but um, the Christian church is the largest organization on planet Earth. Nothing else comes close to its size. The church is bigger than China, bigger than Europe, bigger than the USA. How did this happen? How did Christianity spread so fast and so far? How did a motley group of fishermen expand to about 2.3 million? In one word, the resurrection. The resurrection changed everything. When God said, I'm going to come to earth and die for the sins of the people, and then I'm going to prove that I'm God by coming back to life three days later, it was the single most significant event in history. Nothing comes close. The resurrection split history into AD and BC. Every event is dated according to the resurrection 
of Christ, either before it or after it. Your birthday is dated according to the resurrection. How many years it has been since Christ rose from the dead. My youngest daughter, it is her birthday today. She was born on the 17th of April, 1,993 years after Christ rose from the dead. The resurrection changed history. It turned followers of Christ from being disconsolate, discouraged, depressed, into courageous men and women who were full of hope and spread the message of hope. Today I want to look at why the resurrection gives us hope. Followers of Christ are the most hopeful people on the planet. We have more hope than anyone else. There is no contest. Why? Because of the resurrection. In yesterday's paper, Greg Sheridan wrote an incredible article on um, hope in the midst of of despair, the despair of war. I just want to read what he wrote. He said this, The lessons of Ukraine are many and terrible. They demonstrate the changeless essence of human nature. People are called to glory, and yet every one of us is capable of monstrous evil. The Russian government is behaving exactly as the Roman Empire did, did in the time of Jesus, seeking conquest and subjugation with methods of remorseless brutality. If you want to see what Christian hope looks like, Google Ukrainians singing hymns and see the solace and courage and inspiration there. And I did Google it, and I want you to watch a minute of it too. See if you recognise the song they're singing. They've evacuated from Kiev and are in a shelter. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters and we come here and we've got lights and music and microphones. But Father, we know that so many over there are doing it tough. So we extend our heart and our faith, comfort them this morning, Resurrection Sunday. Protect them, Father. Push back the powers of darkness. Father, let your light shine this Resurrection Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, there's the definition of hope. So three reasons why the resurrection gives us hope. The first one is this, because you have been completely forgiven. 
Jesus said over and over again, I'm going to die on the cross, pay for all your sins, and then I'm going to come back three days later and prove that I am who I say I am. In Mark 9, he told his disciples, the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men, and after three days he will rise. This was a supernatural claim. But if he hadn't done the second part, we would doubt that he would do the first part. If he didn't come back to life when he said he would, then we would have had every reason to doubt that he would have died for our sins. Christianity is supernatural. If it's not supernatural, it is just an ethical system, but it is actually nothing at all without its supernatural claims. It is delusional and Jesus is a lie. Christianity is radical and it is totally dependent on Christ's supernatural claims and these by the church should never be watered down. The cross and the resurrection go together. Ephesians 1 says this, In Christ we are set free by the blood of his death. And so we have forgiveness of sins because of God's rich grace. We are all imperfect. You know, if I said, stand up if you are perfect, I'd have to sit down. And there'd be a sigh if any of us stood up. We've all got regrets. We've all made mistakes. And, um, you know... God doesn't want us to carry guilt, shame through life. Guilt wastes a lot of energy and ties us out. So a quote about shame. Shame is so powerful that it can impact the whole trajectory of a person's life. Excessive irrational guilt has been linked to mental illnesses, such as anxiety, depression, dysphoria, feelings of constant dissatisfaction and obsession obsessive compulsive disorder. Jesus Christ came and he died on a cross so that all your sins could be forgiven, so that all your shame and your guilt and the way you judge yourself could be taken away. He died on that sin, or died on that cross for all your sin and your shame. Let me ask you a question. Who really killed Jesus? Who is to blame for Jesus on the cross? Was it Judas, Caiaphas, Pilate? Was it the religious leaders or the crowd? Well, the answer is twofold and it might shock you. The first answer is God. God put his son on the cross. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All of us like sheep, that's all of us, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord... God laid on him the sins of us all. The scripture says this, that God laid every sin, every sin that has ever been committed by every human, past, present and future, your sins that have done past, present and that you will commit still have been laid on him. I tell you what, the scripture says that Jesus became sin. He became sin. And that's why the Bible says that God had to turn his head. In that moment, he had to turn his head because Jesus became sin. The scripture says that Jesus became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, on that cross, an exchange happened. He took Rosé's sin, but not only did he take Rosé's sin, that would have been pretty good, but then he gave me his righteousness. 
We did an exchange, and it is the most remarkable exchange you will ever have in your life. You might get an Easter egg today. You might get a free house. I don't know what it, whatever I have, exchanges in your, your life. But you will never get that exchange. And I tell you what about that exchange. That exchange is free. You can't be good and get that exchange. The stumbling block for humans is this, that they have to come to the cross humbly and say, actually, I'm not good enough. I put my sin at the cross and I receive your righteousness. And guess what happens? When you go to heaven... When you get to heaven, God will say, well, look, Rosaire, why should I let you in? And I'll say, because I've been pretty good. I had a few compassion kids. I sat at the front of the church and sang the songs. I prayed. Um, I loved Sal Todd most of the time. And he'll say, well, actually, you can only get in if you're perfect. And I'll go, well, not quite. I'm not going to make it. And he said, actually, you're going to make it because you're clothed in Christ. And that is the most wonderful thing. That right there is the gospel. It says this, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, but it was the Lord's good plan, God's plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering, he made his life an offering He will have many descendants. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And the second one, the second person that put Christ on the cross was us, was you, and was me. Because without our sin, he would have never had to go to the cross. This is what it says in Romans 4. He was handed over to die because of our sins, because of my sin. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. You can put a circle around us. You can't because you haven't got a Bible, but you could in your head. Because us includes you. It includes me. We, all right. The second reason Resurrection Sunday gives us hope is we are no longer afraid to die. Jesus broke the power of death and the fear of death. The fear of death is a universal fear. Everybody has it. People don't want to think about death, but actually every human being ultimately has to face death and what happens after death. Every Ukrainian deciding at the moment whether to fight or flight, to stay or go, how to help their family, what the war means for their life, for their existence, is confronted with their own mortality. Easter provides hope because it shows that death does not have the final victory. Death is not a full stop. It's just a dash. It's a dash into eternity. Jesus came back to life. If Jesus hadn't been resurrected, you would might hope that there was eternal life. You might hope that there was life after death. But when Jesus came back from life, you knew, we knew that there was life after death. On Tuesday, last Tuesday, I sat with a beautiful lady in our church. She was dying and she passed away two days later. It was sad. There were tears and uh, she recognised me. But there was hope. And she grabbed my hand. There was nothing of her, but she had this tight hand clasp. She grabbed my hand. And, you know, I could speak of hope. I could say, you know... The Father's getting ready to welcome you home. 
you've been here for a long time. The Father's getting ready. The angels are poised to take you home. And where you're going, the Bible says there's no more sadness. There's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. And she took my hand and she kissed my hand. And it wasn't a kiss of, I'll never see you again. It was a kiss, hey, Roz, I'll see you soon. And I said, I'll see you soon. In John eleven twenty five, it says this, he, Jesus makes a bold declaration. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. You know, when they put Jesus in the tomb and they rolled a stone around in front of it and they sealed the tomb and they put two soldiers to guard the stone, Mary was the first one after three days. Mary came in the morning and when she saw the stone was rolled away and she, she went in and she saw the Jesus clothes folded on a stone and she thought, wow, the body's been stolen. Funny thing is, if you stole a body, why would you take the clothes? You know, if you ever steal a body, I think leave the clothes on. But anyway, that's just my thought. Um, but then she, she runs to the disciples and she says, hey, guys, I've seen Jesus. He's risen from the dead. But they didn't believe her. They thought she was hallucinating. Um, they were scared. They didn't believe in the resurrection. But, of course, we know that eventually they did see him. And many people saw him. Hundreds of people saw Christ after he rose from the dead, he was alive for 40 days, walked on in the community for 40 days. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, Paul says, I also saw him. You know, if I said to you, yesterday I went down to Warner's Bay Tavern and I saw the Queen of England, you'd think, Ros, you're having yourself on. But then if Ian said, no, no, I saw her too. Ian, Deb and I had a coffee with her in Derby Street. And then if Jill said, yeah, I saw her too, she was fishing down at Spears Point. And then if 500 people said, I saw the Queen of England, you would no longer think I was a fruitcake. You would think, actually, Roz, you are right. That 500 eyewitnesses stands up in the court of law. It is proof. And that's how many people saw Jesus Christ, eyewitness after eyewitness after eyewitness. And that's why the church exploded after um, in Acts 2. The third reason we have hope is because we have God's spirit in us, the spirit of power and love. The night before Jesus died, he told his disciples, I'm going to die, but I'm going to send my spirit. And after 40 days of walking with them, he left. He, you know, Jesus never died again. Some people die and they come back to life, but then they die again. Jesus just, just walked out of the earth and walked into heaven. But this is what he said, the last thing he said before he died. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. You were never made to do life alone. God didn't leave you alone. He didn't die and come back to life and leave you alone. He gave you the third person of the Trinity. And the Bible says the same spirit that rose from the dead lives in you. You can't do it alone. Jesus said you need to wait 
until the Spirit comes because you will not be able to do this Christian life alone. You know, if God's Spirit can raise a dead Jesus, it can raise a dead marriage. It can raise a dead career. It can raise a dead promise. Whatever part of you that feels dead and that you've lost hope, I'm telling you, the same Spirit, the quickening of the Spirit can raise it. What is this power that we have? It is the power to be free from your past, to break those memories that hold you back. It's the power to start over when you feel like giving up. It's the power to stand in a shelter and sing a worship song when there's bombs going on. It's the power to change things that you don't think you can. It's the power to overcome hang-ups and hurts and habits. It's the power to keep going when you feel like giving giving up. It's the power to forgive. It's the power to go the extra mile. I want to finish with this thought. You know, when Mary ran to the disciples and they didn't believe, it was because they had a stone of unbelief in their heart. And there's another story in the Bible. You know the story in John 11 when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus had died and the sisters had said, Jesus, come. And it took him four days to get there. And finally, when he got there, he said, Jesus, if only you'd been here, things would have changed. And he said, if you believe, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And he walks up to that tomb and he says, roll away the stone. The only thing standing between Lazarus and Christ was the stone. The only thing that stands between us And the promise and the breakthrough and the miracle and the healing and the wisdom and Christ is the stone. And so many of us have stones. And I'm going to pray for you in a minute because this is a resurrection day and this is a resurrection season. And Jesus is saying to you, forget about anyone else this morning. Jesus is saying to you, Roll away the stone. What is the stone? Is it disappointment? Is it sin? All of those, is it cynicism? Is it discouragement? Is it what somebody said? Is it that you've given up? You said, Holy Spirit, you can't do that. That's too hard. It was not too hard for God. Why would you say it was too hard for God? He's got a resurrection story for you. Why would you say it can't be done when he says it can be done? What is the stone? Is it pride? Is it unbelief? Is it just years of looking at experience and the problems instead of looking at him? I want to finish with this story. Forty years ago, Mark's sister's marriage fell apart. There was pain, anger, betrayal, and a very difficult financial situation. There were two kids. One was Down syndrome. Their names were Brett and Simone. And they had nothing to do with their dad for many years. But at the age of 60, Kerry, Mark's sister, passed away, and all the family were living in different states. But Mark's niece somehow kept her heart open. The stone of bitterness many times wanted to come across her heart, but she kept rolling it away. 
And she kept her heart open and kept forgiving. She was gracious and she kept reaching out when there was no response. And last year, after a lot of trauma, her dad's marriage dissolved and God began to move. And Simone's heart was open. And um, last week, Simone and her dad came to our place for dinner to pick up Brett the Down Syndrome brother who's been living in a home in Newcastle, and they took him home. And in the kitchen, I said to Simone, the family's come back. It is as it should be. And she said to me, Roz, for so many years, I didn't see my dad, but for the last 45 days, I have seen him every day. And you know, God restores And God can do in 45 days, (laughs) can heal in 45 days what a 40, 40 years of pain does, but only if the stones rolled away. Remember, Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his own hometown. He said, there's no faith. You've got to keep your heart open. You've got to keep your heart open, so I want you to close your eyes. No, the only thing that is standing between you and what God wants to do is the stone. And the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus comes to you. He says, roll away the stone. And the only one that can roll away the stone and take off the grave clothes is you. I want you to, you know, I would really love it if some of you could give him that gift this morning. Open your heart. I don't know, it's bitterness. I don't know, whatever it is, trauma. You have to do it with trust. You have to do it with trust that on the other side of that stone, he is there and he has the words of eternal life. He's the resurrection and the life. So Jesus, as we stand here, we even if we can only roll it a little bit, We roll it. We move it. We open our heart, Jesus. So you can do all that you can in our lives because this is Resurrection Sunday and we are in a resurrection season and you want new life. We don't give up on that thing. Forgive us for giving up. Write resurrection story on that memory, on that pain, on that anger, write resurrection story. And while your eyes are closed, every eye is closed, if you want to receive Christ this morning, if you want to say, Roz, today is Resurrection Sunday, I don't understand it all, but I want to receive Christ. I want to be completely forgiven. I want to roll all my shame and guilt, and I want to walk out of here with Christ living in me, knowing that when I die, I am going to heaven. So if that is you this morning and you would like me to pray, I'm going to say a prayer in a minute. I just want you to look up and put your hand up. If that is you this morning, say, Roz, that is me. Would you pray for me this morning, Roz? Anyone here this morning, I'll give you a moment. A great day to pray. Thank you. 
Let's pray this prayer together. I'm going to pray it, but I want you to pray it in your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for every single stuff up, for every sin. Father, I pray that on that cross, I put all of my sin, all of the things I've done wrong onto you. And right now, Lord Jesus, as I stand at the foot of the cross, I receive you. I receive your righteousness. Lord Jesus, come into my life, to my heart. Be my friend. Walk with me. Do a resurrection story in me, in Jesus' name. Amen. And those two that put their hand up, I'd love you to come and see me. Give, I could give you a Bible and I want to pray for you. And I just want to say this, church. Happy Easter. Thank you so much for being here today. How incredible that we come with our family of faith and we celebrate Christ. And if you've got any, if you want any prayer this morning, I want you to come up and I want the elders and the leaders to pray for you. Have a wonderful day. Love you heaps and heaps. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.